0: welcome back to the jc hoops podcast as always i'm your host jackson collier with hogbeat.com i have a very special guest today on the show ben mckee from volquest.com the rivals affiliate over at the university of tennessee ben how are you doing tonight i'm well how are you man i'm doing well excited about this matchup you know big matchup saturday top 25 in bud walton arena What's the general vibe going on right now in Tennessee?
1: That exact word that you just used, excitement. Everybody's really excited right now for for Tennessee basketball, which is the polar opposite of what the feeling was uh, a month ago. Tennessee uh, beat Kentucky pretty good on Tuesday night in Thompson Bowling, but it was a month from the day of when Kentucky completely embarrassed Tennessee in Lexington. And at that point, Tennessee was two and three, In SEC play back to back losses uh, to LSU on the road and then that loss to Kentucky on the road and it felt like Tennessee was destined for a a first round first weekend exit in the NCAA tournament. And not not a lot of feel good feelings uh, around the program from a fan perspective, but they've completely turned it around since then they've won eight straight SEC games. uh, Eight out of the last nine games, the only game that they've lost during that stretch is the Texas in the SEC Big 12 challenge and. Even that you had a wide open three at the buzzer uh to win that game, and the shot just didn't go down. So uh there, there's a lot of good vibes, positive vibes, and uh the play of Tennessee of late and kind of validating their their win streak the other night. their, their win streak consisted of Vanderbilt twice, uh LSU when LSU was really struggling, South Carolina, AM, Mississippi State, some, some quality opponents in there, but nobody like Kentucky, n- not a top five team. So uh Tuesday night kind of validated this. This turnaround uh that Tennessee is on, and and a lot of people are feeling real good about Tennessee going into March.
0: And you see, that's that's one area where it's kind of the the two programs are very similar. You know, Arkansas started conference play 0-3, JD Note was out against Mississippi State, but then you lose to uh Vanderbilt at home, and, and it's just really not a good look to start out conference play. Then you rattle off nine in a row. Um, so you kind of have that that same kind of feeling surrounding the programs i was going to save this question for later but since you brought it up what do you think the biggest adjustment um specifically between the first matchup at kentucky and then the the later matchup against kentucky because looked like at kentucky you know kentucky was clicking on all cylinders but tennessee under rick Barnes, usually known for their really good defense and, and allowed over 100 points but then just a couple nights ago tennessee physically dominated Kentucky in at Tennessee.
1: Yeah. I, I, there's obviously some basketball tweaks that that have been made uh, to, to turn things around, but the biggest adjustment adjustment has really come within the locker room and guys not necessarily buying into their roles, but more so growing comfortable within their roles and uh, leadership has developed those grant Williams and Admiral Schofield teams those guys, those teams were special because they had bona fide leadership with Grant Admiral. You had Lamonte Turner, who was a big time presence on that team. Uh, Jordan Bone, Jordan Bowden, Kyle Alexander. I mean, the list goes on and on of, of guys who were, were really good in the locker room from a leadership standpoint and, and not saying that this locker room didn't have good characteristics of, of being a good leader, but they just hadn't really found it yet. And, uh, You ask Rick Barnes after that first Kentucky game who the leaders are on the team, and he mentions Urosh Plavchik, was a a guy coming off the bench at the time who hadn't really played a ton, and Jemai Mashak, a true freshman who's barely played any. And and those were the first two two names that came to mind for Rick, and I thought that that was very telling at the time. And since then, it's been a complete 180 in terms of leadership uh, on the team, And, and the players will tell you. It's, it's been all about accountability and being fed up with kind of the start that they got off to and, and drawing a line in the sand and just now being willing. They're, they were too nice, uh, quite frankly. They're too nice and kind of afraid to, to, to say something to one another if a guy needed to be held accountable. And the accountability has completely uh, flipped since that moment. So I think that's been the biggest reason that Tennessee has turned it around. But from a basketball perspective, uh, the defense has also been critical. Tennessee's been better guarding the ball keeping defenders in front of them if you go back to that kentucky game where they lost really really bad they couldn't keep tata washington or or any guard severe willard they couldn't stay in front of anybody and kentucky was hot that night that was like their best shooting performance in 25 years in (laughs) conference play so they literally could not miss so kentucky would have beaten uh anybody in the the nba on on that night but they've gotten so much better defensively and in the post, they they found more of a presence in the post. They, they've they been better on the perimeter defensively, and, and that's led to easier offense for them as well because you know the old saying that, hey, when, when you're playing good defense, it kind of takes care of your offense.
0: No, absolutely. You know, the more you talk, number one, you keep, <laughs> you keep getting to my questions before I even get to them, which is perfect because <laughs> you, you knew exactly what I was going to ask about. Number two, I just see more and more similarities between these two programs the more you talk about them because, you know – Arkansas, like I said, started 0-3 in commerce play, and then they had that same, even, even in the middle of their their win streak, they had that same, like, oh, who have you beat kind of thing. Like, they beat LSU on the road, but they didn't have Xavier Pinson, and they weren't playing well. So, mm-hmm. did it count? National right. analysts, will, analysts will tell you no, even though it was still a road win at LSU. Then you you win against your your Georgias your Ole Misses all that sort of stuff until you get to the Auburn game where Arkansas beats number one Auburn at home, um, which kind of validated it kind of like Tennessee just got validated in their in their streak over uh, Kentucky by just physically dominating Kentucky. I laughed when you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> Schofield and Williams, because I literally have a question written out <laughs> this year, this ball team is playing similar to the 2018, 2019 team with Schofield and Williams. <laughs> what can you, what can you attribute that to uh, at, at least at this late in the season, having that kind of uh, come about seemingly out of nowhere after the first half of the season, there was no real identity with the program. And then now uh, there is one
1: right it's it's honestly i i think been the personality of Zekai Ziegler their their true freshman backup point guard he he has that i'm assuming i asked the or I yeah. Answered yeah. A <laughs> question that, that you're gonna ask with that laugh there but uh uh it's it's been his personality that's kind of been infectious and i mean we're five six games away from the end of the regular season but halfway through the year he was already a fan favorite at and i'll i'll say that it was at the level of it definitely is now. Uh, at the level of the fan favorite that Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield was. It, it's just that, that that attitude, that it factor uh, that kind of Grant and Admiral had. And Zakai has that. And his his story is phenomenal uh, for, for anybody who hasn't heard it. I mean, Tennessee is down at Peach Jam. Just obviously they're doing, doing what they need to do in recruiting, being at Peach Jam. And Zakai Ziegler catches on to a team and I believe at the time he had no offers and I mean he's this five nine point guard out of the Bronx and just I, mean, I don't I think he was going to do a year of prep school um, so he was actually in the 2023 class this, this upcoming class that Muss has put together so so brilliantly um then he was going to be in that class because of a year of prep so this this is his first year removed from high school but he was in that class because he was going to do a year of prep because he didn't have any other options and Tennessee found him and signed him uh, early in August I think it was or, or right before school started in August like two three weeks after they saw him at Peace Jam he's he's in Knoxville and from the moment he stepped foot on campus the coaches took notice of him I mean he he stood out from the moment from the moment he's step foot on campus, and it, it's been zero to 100 since, and, and he's just been phenomenal. And Kennedy Chandler, obviously, the freshman point guard for Tennessee that gets all the notoriety and probably a first-round pick after this year. But Zakai Ziegler is just as impactful as Kennedy. Uh, they both play so well together, especially now they're both really hitting their their stride. Kennedy had some early-season struggles on the defensive end, and and he's kind of Figured that out, and now his offense has has come back along with the defense. And I, I'd say it's the personality of Zayce Ziegler that he he's a guy that I mentioned earlier. The biggest issue was nobody really holding each other accountable, and Zayce Ziegler is not afraid to hold anybody accountable. This is this is a guy that says that he used to to sleep in uh, the the back of the train so that he he could avoid pain, or he'd ha- like hide out in the the train bathroom so he could avoid pain while he was going on the subway to, to go play basketball somewhere in, in New York city. So he doesn't back down from anything. And I, I think this team has kind of adopted that personality. And there's been a couple of run-ins with other teams of late not in a bad way. Um, but, it, and it's kind of sparked the team. LSU and Tennessee got into it a couple of weeks ago when they were in Knoxville. Uh, there's the moment where uh, Zachai Ziegler tickled the nose of Tyree Appleby. He was defending them at the top of the key on the ball and, Tyree Appleby's just kind of holding steady, dribbling in place, and Zakai Ziegler reaches out to put a hand in his face and tickles his nose. Uh, That that was pretty funny. And then even on Tuesday night, the for whatever reason, the Kentucky strength coach wanted to pop off at the mouth at Tennessee, and Zakai was like, "No, we're not having this," and and kind of gave him a little shove back. So that's the that's the Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams attitude: just the not gonna back down, and we're gonna. We're gonna punch you in the face whether you like it or not, and they needed that because they had they had a bunch of guys who were kind of afraid to hold each other accountable because they were too nice to each other and too good of, too good of kids. But Zakai Ziegler's the the right rough around the edges type of guy.
0: Yeah, and I feel like uh, Plaschke kind of falls into that category too. And I was gonna plan on bringing him up a little bit later as well. Um, I was going to ask about how Ziegler stepped up for the program. I think you pretty much just covered that with his attitude, his leadership, you know, and um, his never back down uh, mindset. You know, I came from nothing. I I, I was under recruited. I was way overlooked. Wasn't even planning on going to college. Now I'm the starting point guard as a freshman uh, of a potential Sweet 16 Elite Eight team in the NCAA tournament. Um, so you, you have all those things going with Zakai Ziegler. Um, it's funny. I was actually going to mention uh Placic and, and that attitude that you were talking about uh, a little bit later when we will get to him too. Um You just mentioned Ziegler. I was going to talk about, you know, he's under-recruited. What, what does he bring to the team? How did he step up to help the program? You know, you're, you go from living in the Bronx and like you said, you're, you're, you're hiding in trained bathrooms to avoid violence, whatever you're avoiding. And now, you weren't even planning on being in in this class and you're starting point guard for a team that's pushing for a sweet 16 elite eight type season. They're on the three, four seed line right now. Um, Just, just an absolutely incredible story from him. Um, One question before I kind of focus on, on game planning and stuff, how did Barnes kind of find that sweet spot as far as balancing playing time between uh, Ziegler and Kennedy Chandler because you know Kennedy Chandler is this highly touted one of the top recruits coming out of high school and, and looked the part from day one and like you mentioned had some struggles defensively but by and large has been a really good freshman and, and how, how do you balance that to where it's effective for the team and obviously whatever he's done has worked
1: yeah that that, that has been a, a key thing that Rick and his coaching staff has had to figure out and and Rick's always been the type of coach of of he's going to throw guys out there. And Kennedy has started all year long, but if if Kennedy turns it over, Zakai Ziegler's coming right in. He he, he does, and it, it can be frustrating for fans at times. Uh, players do not have a long leash whatsoever right now. Uh, that player is Justin Powell, the Auburn transfer. Uh, he he's kind of, I'd say the the fifth guard. Uh, and he he does play, but he's behind Santiago Vescovi. He's behind Josiah Jordan James, and then he's behind uh, Kennedy Chandler, Kai Ziegler. So he does play, but it's not as much as, as people anticipated coming into the year because of that 10 game stretch that he had last year. But Powell's the greatest example of that. Everybody thinks of him as a shooter, but Rick Barnes doesn't want just a specialty guy out there. He wants a guy that's gonna be able to kind of do everything and, and Powell's trying to uh, evolve his game and, and become better on the defensive end and the moment i mean he can check in with four minutes left in the first half and, and only be thinking that he's going to play two or three minutes uh that little spurt there in, in the first half and if he checks in and that first possession he gets blown by because he he's not ready to go defensively he's coming right back out <laughs> offensively if he commits a silly turnover he, he's coming out immediately for victor bailey jr or Santi or somebody else is going back in. So that that's kind of been the approach with Zakai and and Kennedy as well, and and with anybody on the roster. And it's always been that way under Rick. He he does not give a, a long leash until you have established yourself. Now Zakai and Kennedy and they they have a little bit of a longer leash. He'll. Hill, if Kennedy starts off and those first two minutes aren't going well of the game, the guy's coming right in. They, they won't wait till the first media timeout. Uh, Josiah, Jordan James, and Santiago Vescovi, now that they're veterans and, and juniors and older guys, they do have a little bit of a longer leash and, and can get away with much more. But those youngsters, the, the way that they balance the playing time, I mean, it, it's all earned. It's all about production, and, and the players know this. And I think the one thing that is really special about Rick Barnes as a coach and this goes back to recruiting. He doesn't promise anything. He he does not. He does not. And there are coaches all across America. I'd say the vast majority of coaches telling five stars and four stars, whoever they want, like, hey, you come here, you're going to play this, you're going to do this, you, you'll start for us. Rick doesn't do that <laughs> at all. He, he says you can come in, we'll develop you, and what you earn is, is what you'll get. If you come in and, and you work hard and you produce some practice, then you'll play. If you don't do those things, then you're not going to play. So I think just Rick's philosophy in in general has really kind of shaped that uh, as well. But now it's gotten to the point to where he doesn't really have to pick and choose between Zakai and Kennedy. They're out there on the floor uh, a ton. And and part of that is because of Tennessee's lack of depth in in the post and and the injury to Olivier Kamwa. Their most efficient lineup is a small lineup with Josiah Jordan James at the four, and then Santi. Uh, Kennedy and Zakai is kind of your closing lineup along with whichever post player is playing the best of that game. So he, he's reached the point now because both guys are really clicking that he doesn't really have to decide who's going to play over the other.
0: Gotcha. And, you know, it, again, just as far as what Barnes promises or doesn't promise as far as playing time, he essentially just promises, Hey, work hard. Uh, and, yes. and you might have a spot like that's it. Uh, and that kind of speaks to why he's been so successful for so long in the college game. He, he doesn't make those sort of promises. He doesn't play favorites. He he wants guys who play hard and who who go out there and run his system. And that's why he's had such success at Texas and, and now at, at Tennessee and even other stops before then. Um, talking about defense with, with Justin Powell and some other guys as far as rotationally, Um, and even bringing up Plavsich and the attitude he has and 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 all that sort of stuff you know defense has been an issue or not an issue but it's been a strong suit for Rick Barnes uh coach teams for most of his career um Mm -hmm. he comes uh against an Arkansas team who might not be as offensively efficient as they have been in previous years um but they still have the firepower they still have uh I mean, I feel like it changes every every game, but uh either the first or second leading score in the SEC and JD Note, um, it's kind of alternating between between him and Scottie Pippen Jr., you have him, you have an an offensive emergence out of Jalen Williams and even Stanley Amude, who's shooting 42% or so from three in conference play. Um what exactly do you expect Rick Barnes' uh, defensive philosophy to be, especially, or, or I guess specifically, in, in handling J.D. Notay and Jalen Williams?
1: Yeah, I mean, defense is non-negotiable with with Rick Barnes. If if you if you're not cutting it on the defensive end, you're not going to play. I mean, it, it's as it's as simple as that. And uh, that that's a big reason, like I was mentioning earlier, Justin Powell hasn't played. And there were times earlier in the year where Tennessee's offense was really struggling, really struggling up, up until that Kentucky game that we discussed earlier. And everybody was clamoring for Justin Powell because he is a, a great shooter. He, he's the best standstill shooter on the team. He would win a three point contest or be the most likely to win one. And then he had that 10 game spurt with Auburn to where he just lit the world on fire last year before he got that head injury and, and missed the rest of the year. But he wasn't cutting it on the defensive end. So he was not playing. And that frustrated a lot of people, But It just goes to show that defense is a non-negotiable with Rick Barnes. And there's another five-star on the roster, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who's kind of been struggling on the defensive end at times this year as well. And and he hasn't played near as much as as people anticipated anticipated him playing. So uh, going into Saturday's game, Rick hates playing zone. So I I don't think that you'll see a, a zone defense unless he just absolutely has to. Uh, I, I'll be real curious to see what he he does in terms of matchups. Josiah Jordan James typically draws uh, the the matchup of the other team's best offensive player, and sometimes he'll switch it up. Uh, Kennedy Chandler, uh, if if it's a true point guard on point guard type of matchup, then then Kennedy will draw that assignment. Uh, Zakai will will draw that assignment as well, but I, I would imagine uh, Josiah is the man that sticks JD Note. He he typically gives Josiah the first crack at it. But he also, I mean, it's not going to be uh, Tony Allen, uh, where Tony Allen is shown up to, to a game that night, and he's he's in charge of Kobe Bryant, and that's all he's in charge of, or Kevin Durant, or or whatever. Uh, he he likes to put different guys on the other team's best player. He'll he'll rotate through guys, so that won't be Josiah's only responsibility. Especially because they're they're really hurting in the post right now with Olivia Camois' injury, and and just uh, the post hasn't been what it should be. Uh, this year even before the Olivier injury so Josiah's had to play more that four and he's he's capable of doing it in a in a small ball lineup now uh, uh, against a team that is that is bigger um like a Mississippi State a couple of weeks ago I thought that would be a real issue for Tennessee but they were kind of able to to overcome that and, and win that game on the road because they they need Josiah to crash the the boards because he is a really good rebounder for uh, a guard or a wing player however you want to look at them um, but i would imagine josiah gets the first crack at jt jd note and and they'll kind of rotate from there and if josiah is having success they'll stick with him and rick rick won't be afraid to to put anybody else on him either
0: so who do you think draws the assignment for Jalen williams then with him kind of exploding both on the perimeter and even being able to drive and be more versatile inside too
1: yeah, that, that that's a great question that I that I I don't know quite honestly because I would say Olivier Kamwa would be able to do that because Olivier was a real physical athletic uh, stretch four that was really coming into his own. I hadn't really played a ton uh, the last couple of years. It was he was a developmental guy when they signed him uh, and, and kind of new to basketball. He's from Finland, so so I hadn't played a ton of basketball when he signed with Tennessee, but was finally getting to play in games and kind of got off to a rough start to the season, but because he was playing so much was finally learning and, and growing and developing and really coming into his own. And he came down on his left ankle uh, against South Carolina a couple of weeks ago and, and had to have surgery because of uh, the injury that he suffered and because of the timeline and where we are in the season is, is likely out for the rest of the season. But he's, he was, again coming into his own really physical really athletic and uh watching Jalen Williams from afar that that seems what he is and I, I think Olivia Camwa uh could have defended that now w- without him I think uh Jalen's a little too athletic for for John Fulkerson I, I don't know that that would be a, a great matchup but uh we'll see it, it wouldn't surprise me if Folk is able to to make some things happen uh Folk effective because he's just all hustle all the time. Uh, and so maybe he can make some things happen. The real intrigue is Jonas Adu, uh, a guy who is a freshman at a former top 100 player when when he signed, but he had COVID back in the preseason and then also dealt with an injury. And that really set him behind. And he's just now catching up. And since preseason practice started, Rick's talked about him as being the team's best rim protector. Uh, He just was kind of behind on, on defensive schemes and not really knowing where to go. And Rick has talked recently about him really starting to figure it out the last two or three weeks. And then against Kentucky and Oscar Sheboy of all people on Tuesday night. I mean, he has, I think it was five points, seven rebounds, three offensive rebounds uh, and three blocks out of, out of nowhere. And this is a guy that that was really only his third time this season Receiving serious minutes. the the Saturday last last Saturday, not this past one, but the, I guess a week and a half or so ago, uh, that South Carolina game where Olivier got hurt. That was his first action. And then he played a little bit at Mississippi State. He played a little bit against Vanderbilt this past Saturday, and then he played a lot against Kentucky and uh, was was a huge impact. So, um, possibly him. I just don't know how he'll do away from the basket, but at, at the rim, he's a, a legitimate rim protector. So I'll be real curious to see what rick does to try to uh eliminate jalen williams production
0: and that's a freshman going against oscar shibwe who is right he he might not be the national player of the year he's at least in the running for sec player of the year and in contention for national player of the year so for a freshman to have three offensive boards five points and seven total rebounds uh, and even grab a couple blocks there against one of the uh top players in the country uh, that really says something about his development speaking of john fulkerson um you know he's kind of had a uh, drop off in production this year compared to his previous two seasons but he's still a mainstay in the rotation he seems to still be a very vocal leader still seems to be uh in that kind of fan favorite slash tennessee identity uh type of thing what what is Number one, what is his role exactly? Kind of how has it evolved? And number two, what does he mean to the team outside of his actual, just strictly his basketball playing abilities this year?
1: Yeah, Folky means everything to Tennessee basketball, um, and it, especially to the fans. I mean, he, he's been a fan favorite for years now. He, he's an East Tennessee kid uh, from Kingsport, Tennessee, which is about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, northeast of of Knoxville up where East Tennessee State is and uh, grew up a ball fan always wanted to play basketball at Tennessee and it's it's he's not the the most uh, athletic guy on the floor or he's not the guy that's going to jump out of the gym or, or just have a million block shots or you know shoot the prettiest jumper but it's just his his hustle and his work ethic and uh, just his love for Tennessee that, that makes him effective. And he's had big time moments in a Tennessee Jersey uh, two years ago. He he went up to, I think it was two years ago. Yeah. It was uh, the season in, in which COVID canceled the tournament. Uh, so uh, 2019, 2020, he he went up to rep arena who Tennessee hates Kentucky in basketball more than anybody and dropped 27 and, and led Tennessee to a, a big time win. And that was kind of the, the first year without Grant and Admiral and all those guys. So many people weren't expecting Tennessee to win that one, but he goes out and he drops 27. And and then even the other night, 14 and eight, uh, he, he's kind of always had these big time moments. And then the fact that he's from East Tennessee, uh, the, the fans have always uh, adored and loved him. And he's got a goofy personality, too. I mean, he, he's an absolute goofball and in, in a good way. Uh, and just a fun, kind-hearted guy. So uh, the fans have been in love for, with, with Folky for a, a very long time. And uh, he, he's his role, he's coming off the bench right now um, because he's he's he hasn't been as good as he was two years ago, that COVID-shortened season when he was named pre – or not preseason, but uh, after the season, he, he made the All-SEC second team, I believe it was. And, and the last two years have kind of been down for him. Last year. Uh, He had COVID kind of at the beginning of SEC play, and that seemed to have knocked him off track. And then he finally got going again, and then Omar Payne from Florida delivered that just disgusting elbow in the SEC tournament and ended his season there. And then this year, it's kind of been the same thing. Uh, Got off to a decent start, um, but then had COVID during Christmas break and had to miss two or three games, and it's been slow getting him back. Uh, Rick had to take him out of the lineup. and now he's finally got his groove back and providing those energy uh, minutes that he typically does. Um, and they they talked to him about coming off come or starting instead of coming off the bench after Olivia Camwell got hurt. but he he said, hey, I, I feel good coming off the bench. I'll start if you need me to, but I, I feel really good with my role coming off the bench. So uh, he's typically in that closing lineup to end the game. But he he's a guy that's coming off the bench right now. And, and the last couple of games, it seems like he's really found his groove once again.
0: One more guy I wanted to focus on before we kind of start wrapping up and just talking just generally about things. Uh, Eros Plasich, He has come on and, you know, his stats don't stand out uh, from box scores necessarily. Um, but he's a guy who is very large, very physical, and does not back down from anybody. Um what has he meant to this team in helping find an identity along with you know Zakai Ziegler and finding that toughness that kind of uh spurred this win streak for Tennessee?
1: Yeah he's he's just like Zakai Ziegler. Um he he he's not the most uh efficient basketball player uh per se but his his Personality is is what allows him to to have some really good moments here and there. He, he's not a guy that can be your best post player. Uh, he he probably doesn't need to be your second best post player, but he, he's kind of a enforcer coming off the bench. And after that Kentucky game, when when Folky was really struggling, and they went to Vanderbilt that Tuesday, uh, Rick put Urosh in the lineup, and it paid off. Again, his stats weren't great that game. I, th- I think he maybe had like 10 and six, if, if that, but it, it was just his demeanor and his attitude and uh, Vanderbilt and Tennessee also do not like each other. And Vanderbilt players were kind of running, running their mouth and Uros was not having it and was was not afraid to back down. Uh, and then LSU, I think it was, came that that Saturday or within one of those next couple of games. And for whatever reason, they're, they're, Equipment managers, I guess, were throwing the basketballs into the stands while Tennessee was warming up. Yeah, right. That, that's the face we all had, and it's just like, who, who even does that? Like, I've never even heard of it's that. Just but, weird.
0: I like even high school pettiness. Yes, I was like, that wasn't a thing.
1: Yes, I mean, I, I don't think middle school kids do that, but that really pissed off Tennessee. And you got into the game, and and LSU was kind of pushing and shoving, and and Urosh was also pushing and shoving, and, and not backing down from from anybody. So. Yeah, he has that Zakai Ziegler effect as well. He's just, quite frankly, not as good of a basketball player as Zakai Ziegler. But he he's meant a lot. His teammates love him. Uh, he's very vocal. Uh, the running joke around Knoxville kind of before this year, before he was playing meaningful minutes, was that he's the best teammate in college basketball because he just does not stand – he doesn't sit down on the bench. He's just always standing and always cheering, always happy. You'll never catch him pouting – or anything, he's always supporting his teammates. So uh, that that's the role that that he plays on this team, and it's been an, an important one as Tennessee has turned around its season from a leadership standpoint and just kind of fire finding that fire uh, within them to to go out and and not let teams push them around. He he's the enforcer of the team, and and his teammates truly love him.
0: Now, as someone who covers Tennessee, obviously, you know, I, I'm obviously I cover Arkansas, but I feel like as beat writers, we kind of have that same mentality of, you know, you're watching around the conference, you're watching upcoming opponents, you're seeing what's going on. Um, when Arkansas beat Auburn at home, what were some of your thoughts uh, knowing that Tennessee had to go into Bud Walton Arena in, in the next couple of weeks, the very next Saturday after? that coming Saturday what what were your thoughts after seeing that game
1: Um, I I sat down and watched every minute of that game uh if I recall Tennessee did not have a game that day I think they was that on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night it it was on Tuesday night yeah I think Tennessee played uh on that Wednesday night against I don't know against somebody Tennessee didn't play that night so I was glad that I got to sit down and and watch it I was looking forward to that game all day And, and it it lived up to the billing and uh my my initial thought as somebody who also went to Tennessee and has been watching Tennessee basketball and, and football all my life, my initial thought was, and this is also a running joke amongst. villains and, and people who follow Tennessee is that, of course, this X team gets great or, or does great right as as they're getting ready to play Tennessee. Sounds uh, just so like that, Arkansas that, fans. Yep, <laughs> yep that, that was that was the thought that was, okay. Not that Arkansas was, like, bad to start the year, but I know that uh, some national media members, a.k.a. Jeff Goodman, wanted to <laughs> kind of put Arkansas down uh, because of the strength of schedule, which is fair. Um, and they hadn't really beaten anybody marquee. And just watching from afar, uh, they, they weren't necessarily passing the eye test, but they certainly are passing the eye test now. And uh, just getting J.D. Note and, and Jalen Williams, those guys that you mentioned, getting them going has – has been key, but that that scene in, in Fayetteville that night was was really, really cool. And honestly, I, I had broader thoughts kind of just about SEC basketball in general than I did Arkansas specific, to be quite honest, and just how, how far SEC basketball has come over the last decade. It's, it's as, I'm a younger guy, but it's as great as I've ever seen it. And it seems like it's as great as it's ever been. And, and it's just real cool for for schools all throughout the SEC, uh, outside of maybe a, a two or three, looking at you Georgia uh, that they're finally taking more than just football seriously. It, it's cool. Like Tennessee's experiencing that right now with baseball. I, I know Arkansas fans are, are, are big with Arkansas baseball and, and uh, Dave Van Horn and, and whatnot, but Tennessee fans have kind of started to come around to baseball. So that was kind of my thought that it's cool that these sec schools are, are finally jumping in with two feet to all sports and not football. And, that atmosphere inside of Bud Walton was as as good as you'll find in college basketball that night. So I, I had thoughts about the SEC from a from a broad standpoint, and then just also thinking of of course Arkansas is playing great basketball as a uh, as uh, Tennessee's uh, around the schedule or around around the corner on the schedule.
0: The, so Tennessee has a pretty decent road record this year. They're four and four on the road, and a lot of that, uh, or maybe all of it, includes conference wins and, and conference play, which you go 500 on the road in conference that if you take care of business at home, you're pretty much guaranteed a spot in the NCAA tournament, especially with a team or a conference that is as strong as it is this year. And, and Tennessee has gone to Kentucky. They've gone to Alabama this year. Um, I, you haven't seen firsthand Bud Walton arena this year. Do you think um, Tennessee has seen an environment like Bud Walton was against Auburn? Cause they're, uh I, I the only reason i ask that is because arkansas is kind of pulling out all the stops for this weekend too they're doing a red out they did a white out against uh auburn they're doing a red out for tennessee they have a bunch of former razorbacks that, who are professional hogs they have bobby portis coming in they have daniel gafford coming in mason jones isaiah joe like all these types they have Signees like Nick Smith Jr. is going to be there. Uh, they have the, they have rumored five-star prospects for the 22 class going to be there. Um, that's the main reason why I ask if Tennessee has seen that atmosphere like, the, like Auburn saw last weekend. Because it's going to be very similar, it seems like, this weekend for Tennessee. And Tennessee does have an experienced roster. They have some freshmen playing a lot. They also have a lot of juniors, some seniors playing. Do you think they've seen that sort of absolutely raucous, insane crowd?
1: I'll say no. Um, and I would put an asterisk next to Tennessee's road record. Uh I, I think some of their road wins have, have come against teams that they should beat, even if it is on the road. Like they beat like you mentioned four and four. Two of those wins are South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Uh I'm I'm trying to think of, of the other two road wins off the top of my head, but uh, they they haven't really played well on the road until late until they've gone on this winning streak. They beat Mississippi State as well. So Mississippi State, uh, Vandy, uh, Carolina. I'm blanking on the fourth road win, but uh, to be fair, they,
0: Mississippi they, State is very tough to win at.
1: Yes, absolutely. I was honestly surprised that 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 they were able to win. Uh, I, I thought that was the first game without Olivier Camwa. Uh, Mississippi State, a team that's really efficient in the paint. And the hump is a hard place to, to play. You're, you're correct. That's been the best road win, though, off the top of my head, unless I'm just forgetting somebody. But until – I mean, that was last week, though. Um, that was that was the game at, the day after tennis, or uh, Arkansas-Auburn that I was trying to remember. Uh, but, I mean, that was just a week ago, week and a half ago. Uh, and that was their best road win of the season. They went to Texas for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And that was a, a great environment because Rick Barnes was going back home to Texas. But it, it wasn't – It was a a nice atmosphere, if you want to call it that. Like, everybody was there to cheer and and celebrate Rick Barnes, and obviously that won't be the case uh, this weekend at Arkansas. Not that Arkansas fans just have this hate for Tennessee, at least not one that I'm aware of like uh, other schools in in the West that I'm sure that they hate far more. Um, This will be their toughest road challenge yet. And they played in Rupp, and I was at the game at Rupp, and, I mean, it, it was a large crowd, but it was eh. In terms of like the atmosphere, like it, the vibe in the building was just kind of OK, whatever. It was ho-hum. I mean, I didn't think it was anything special, quite frankly. Uh, and there were people there. So I, I think that this will be the most energized crowd that Tennessee has played in. And I'll be real curious to see how they respond again uh, up until a week or so ago. They hadn't played that well on the road and most of their road success has come against teams that they should be in that manner. Um, but I don't know, I, I don't feel confident in Tennessee going on the road and, and Bud Walton on Saturday, especially since I've seen them on the road and Bud Walton in the last couple of years and has not gone in Tennessee's favor. But this this team feels different right now. I'm I'm not predicting Tennessee to win. Uh, early in the week, I, I said that, that I thought they split beat Kentucky, lose to Arkansas on radio here in Knoxville. Um, and that is because they have not played great on the road and they're perfect at home. But this I will say that this team has a different attitude. They, they found that don't back down from anybody type of attitude. And, and it would not surprise me if Tennessee walked in there and did not care one bit and, and beat Arkansas, despite all the hoopla.
0: Fair enough. Last question before I let you go. I, I know I've taken a lot of your time up tonight. I really appreciate you hopping on here with me. Last question. What is the biggest key to the game for Tennessee to win at Bud Walton arena?
1: Yeah, I would, I would probably say turnovers. I know that's super simplistic and super cliche, but I, it that's been the rhyme or reason to Tennessee's success this year is the turnovers. And earlier you mentioned me kind of the difference between the first Kentucky game and the second Kentucky game. And I, I discussed the, the defense. The the other issue that I should have mentioned and it was just as big was turnovers. They It was a turnover fest for Tennessee. And, and then on top of the turnovers, they got the tails whipped in transition, uh, both offensively and defensively. So uh, turnovers has has kind of been the tail of the tape for Tennessee this year. When when they don't turn the ball over, they're successful, um, and typically that means that their their ball movement is is great. Uh, they they're swinging it from side to side. They're they're getting good looks. It's when the ball really sticks in in one another's hands that they they fail to get good shots and. Uh, that that's when the offense has, has struggled and it hasn't lately. And it's been because uh, keeping that ball moving, moving great ball movement, keeping it swinging and not turning it over. And they've been able to find offensive success. Their, their defense is going to allow them to compete with anybody in the country that they have a really good defense. They, they play really hard, uh, but it's the offensive efficiency that has destroyed them at times this year. And And their offense has, been miserable to watch at times this year. And it's been because of turnovers and ugly ball movement, non non-existent ball movement. So as long as they're doing those two things, I would expect them to find some success on offense. But if they don't do those two things, I mean, they'll get run out of the gym, um, just based on the atmosphere that will take place on Saturday uh, and just kind of what we've seen in the past. So they've got to take care of the basketball Saturday.
0: All right, Ben McKee from VaultQuest.com. Thank you so much for hopping on here. Again, I'm Jackson Collier, JC Hoops from hogbeat.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.